What's the going rate for a vote these days? 5,000 pesos? 10,000? A year-long supply of canned sardines, maybe? When you're poor, the morality of selling your vote just cannot compete with the necessity of putting food on the table. In this B-side episode, Froilan C. Galilum, a political science professor at the University of Santo Tomas, talks about the legalities and loopholes that have allowed vote-buying to become part of the Philippine political system, the structures of which were built by those with power and money. Let's listen in as Mr. Kalilong and Business World reporter Alyssa Nicole Otan talk about the realities of vote-buying, patronage politics, and utang na loob in the Philippines. The Comelec has repeatedly reminded the public that vote-buying is an election offense. Despite this, politicians continue to use this means while the general public has already accepted it as a norm. Why do you think this act thrives well in our political system? What does this say about how people view our candidates? Primarily, it could be seen in the fact that our political dynamics okay, from the very beginnings of our electoral process has always been marred with a lot of issues like this. Not only vote buying, you know, there's also patronage politics. There's also client-patron relationship that exists between voters and political actors. So primarily, it's already embedded in our culture for the past, what, eight to six years that we've been having elections. It's always been like that. One of the contentions here, I suppose, is the fact that majority of the voters actually will be coming from the CD&E margins okay, or the CD&E crowd, which, of course, we could safely say that these people are the poor, the marginalized. Some of them are illiterate and uneducated. So they are very much susceptible to the pressure of accepting bribery or accepting money in exchange for their votes. And if you try to look at it, even studies that were conducted. There was a study that was conducted by the National Democratic Institute several years ago. I think the study was done in Sorsogon, wherein they asked people if they're willing to actually sell their votes. Many of them said no, but then again, when the price was increased, they agreed. So we could simply say then that it's really embedded, I think, in the psyche but sometimes it's the amount that also matters. We can safely say then that poverty is one of the contentious issues why we have vote buying and why it is still very much prevalent in our society nowadays. So you earlier mentioned that when they increase the price, people then get swayed. What do you think this says about the level of priorities that our people have when it comes to this issue or when it comes to their values against vote buying? There are actually two schools of thought we need to see here, one of which is that you vote according to your conscience, which means that you don't accept the bribery at all or don't accept the money at all. And then the other one actually is relevant to the idea of accepting the money but not voting for the candidates. When you look at these two angles, they're actually completely different. Okay? But the point of the issue here is many people are still willing to accept money in exchange for their voting preference. And we have to understand that sometimes it's not just the monetary aspect that matters here. Because in some aspects, okay, vote buying could take in many different forms. For example, I actually analyze you know, vote buying anatomy in many different ways. One of which is through the provision of goods, 
Sometimes they will give canned goods. Sometimes it's in the provision of job placement opportunities or promises for jobs. Sometimes it's in the position of giving leisure. There was one politician. He hired a resort. And then he placed several families in there. And then he hired these buses and he hired this private pool. And it's like a family day. For two days, the people were drinking, the people were having fun with their families. And then immediately after that, okay, so it was a Sunday. The following day, it's a Monday, it's election day. They immediately went to the polling precincts. Parang meron ng utang na loob na naibigay dahil nga pinapasarap yung pamilya mo, diba? Nung dalawang araw, tapos immediately after that, andun na kayo sa polling presence on a Monday. So, are you going to vote for this person who gave you this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity? Maybe. But was there money involved? There was none. So, what I'm saying is that it could take different forms, not just money. If we try to think about what you just mentioned, it's easy to see that Filipinos are actually easily persuaded by their candidates. But do you think this has anything to do with how they perceive political candidates in general? Is there any relation to that or not? What we're seeing here is the fact that many Filipinos actually see election time as a frivolous event, more of a carnival of sorts, if I may say. Many of them feel that this is an opportune time for them to actually get money. And it's a good thing if the person that will give the money is also their candidate of preference, meaning to say that they are like keeping two birds with one stone, right? But then again, I believe that there are those people who still choose to get the money and yet not vote for the candidate who gives them the money. I believe that this is tantamount to the idea that we also need to have some kind of uh, moral ascendancy over ourselves. The premise or the belief that this money is ours, this is taxpayers' money, that these politicians get, and they're just trying to give it back to us. That is the rhetoric, right? That is the contentious belief, right, that we have. But we have to understand we should stop romanticizing or normalizing this thing as if this is acceptable, when in fact it's not. Even in the COMELEC Omnibus Election Code, this is very, very succinctly stated. I think Section 261 of the Comelec Omnibus Elections Code specifically mentions that any form of vote buying or bribery in exchange for any political favor is prohibited. But then again, the Comelec is not able to prevent this from happening. And so I think if we cannot stop the politicians from engaging in these activities, then we need to go to the grassroots and reform the populace or the, the electorate instead. And there are many different ways by which we could do this, knocking into their conscience, engaging NGOs or even the church, the Catholic faith, and trying to instill the conscientiousness in how we choose our candidates. I think that's one way by which we could combat this. If vote buying is successfully eradicated then from the Philippine politics, what do you think would change in the scope of political campaigns? Well, it will definitely be a big game changer. People will no longer look only at the power dynamics as the base of their preference. Because what we're seeing is that those people who actually are possessing the power at the same time are also the ones who actually possess the magnitude of influence by sheer popularity and wealth or affluence. And of course, when you have the money, definitely you have the option to engage in vote buying. 
when we eradicate this, I think this will open the floodgates for more honest, competent, highly qualified political aspirants to also join in the fray. I mean, we're opening the arena for better politicians, not the ones that have been there, done that, and been very, very adamant about just using their power and influence and money just to get their way. It will level the playing field, giving more opportunities to those who have not much to offer financially, but have a lot of things to actually put in the table in terms of competence, experience, and track record. So what do you think are the loopholes in the government's laws that allow vote buying to Mm -hmm. continue? Well, because it's not explicitly stated. When you say that the law does not prohibit, the law may explicitly allow, right? So I think what the public should have done there is to enumerate all the possible forms of vote buying. But even if they have done this a long time ago, I think newer forms may still exist. For example, we have electronic cash transfers. We have GCash, PayMaya, PayPal, right? And I think this might be the next phase or the future of vote buying in the Philippines because this involves lesser face-to-face involvement, lesser engagement. It's just going to be done electronically. And I think this will be a lot more difficult to monitor. Even if the COMELEC or the government will try to exactly mention everything, I think our politicians and political aspirants are crafty enough to actually think of new modalities or new ways in order to still make this possible. Kumbaga, kanya-kanyang paraan. It's very structured. But when I say structured, hindi naman talaga direkta sa botante binibigay yung pere. Pag inaral mong maigit yung mentalidad ng mga politiko natin, ang binibigay nila, gumagawa sila ng mga tinatawag nating leaders. Warok leaders, barangay leaders, and then doon inaabot talaga yung pera. And then this money is now being cascaded now to their individual constituents, yung mga voters na yan. So, in short, there is really already a structure that is in place. It's systematized. It's already been normalized. That's why I think it's harder, even harder right now, to mitigate this practice. If ever we are able mm-hmm. to improve the situation, do you think the main adjustment mm-hmm. should be maybe in the political system, as you've mentioned, or maybe in our politicians, or is it more in the mindset of the people? Actually, it's a combination of all these things. But I think it all boils down to the kind of moral fiber that we have. I still believe that it's a matter of conscience when we accept bribes, when we accept this money. It's still a question of moral turpitude if we do have them. It all boils down to the kind of personality or the traits that we have, the character that we have, if we will allow this thing to actually happen. So I believe that the laws are there, but as you know it in the Philippines, laws are just made sometimes, but they're not really properly implemented. So I think there is a big loophole in that, right? But then again, when you put it to yourself that you're not going to condone the practice, that you're not going to allow yourself to be swayed or to be used by these politicians, and that you're going to stick to your principles, that will make a big difference because it's something that is innate. But then again, when you say this to somebody who is educated, who actually has a better social status as compared to one who is illiterate and do not possess the kind of affluence that, you know, some people actually possess, right? So it becomes a matter of social status. Pagka-election, nagpe-piesta. Hindi lang yung mga kandidato, kundi lalo na yung mga may hirap. Kasi para sa kanila, ito lang yung pagkakataon na sila ay nagiging mahalaga ulit. 
Kasi immediately after the election, following the election, balik sila sa pagiging basura. That's the reality on the ground. Kaya talagang yung iba tumatanggap. How largely do you think vote buying will influence the incoming May elections? As with the previous elections, data is very hard to come by. We could only come up with isolated researches regarding how it will impact because there's really no such thing as a metadata analysis on the effects of vote buying talagan, even in the previous elections. Because yun nga, this is a shady dealing, you know, this is not something that is done outwardly, this is not something that is acceptable. It's being normalized, but it's still unlawful. Kaya, Mahirap talaga siya pag-aralan. In the academy, we could only do isolated studies on one area, try to see how it affected the outcome of the elections. But in general, you look still at the poverty levels right now. The unemployed still as uh, you know effects of the pandemic. Poverty is still going to play a huge factor here in the elections. And this will play a factor in their decision to accept money from candidates. So if you ask me if it will have an impact Definitely. Maybe not in the national, but I believe so more in the local level. Because vote buying is more rampant on the local level, particularly from the councillors, mayors. That is how they try to build yung tinatawag nating client-patron relationship talaga. Eh. Dahil nasa, nasa ground talaga yan. Wala naman talaga yan sa national. But on the ground, it's more prevalent. And with poverty and unemployment reaching exorbitant levels out of the pandemic, it will really matter. And that concludes another episode of B-Side. Once again, you heard Froilan C. Kalilong, a political science professor at the University of Santa Tomas, talking about vote-buying in the Philippines and how poverty allows it to persist. If political systems that accommodate this practice cannot be reformed, advocates can try and reform the populace instead. Mr. Kalilong tells Business World reporter Alyssa Nicole Otan that if vote buying is eliminated, it will, quote, open the floodgates for more honest, competent, and highly qualified political aspirants to join the fray, end quote. This B-side episode was recorded remotely in December 2021. It was produced by Bronte H. Laksamana, Gino D. Nicolas, and me, Sam El Marcelo. Thanks for listening.